in addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Well, good afternoon. It's Monday, 5.30 p.m. drive time. My name is Julian Gibb from the Harvest Foundation, and I co-host with Bob Moffat. Today, we're blessed to have uh, a brand new friend of mine. Her name is Linny, Linny Saunders. And uh, here at uh, on this radio show, we're focusing on what it means to be Jesus's hands and feet. How has the Lord called you to go out and serve and love your neighbor? So, Linny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. Well, uh, Linny, you know, it, it's uh, tell us a little bit first of all about about you and your and your husband. Well, we um, have been married for forty two years. Uh, we um, live here in Phoenix. My husband was actually in law school when we got married, and he was an attorney then. He loved the Lord, and he served Christ in his law office uh, for about ten years, and then we packed it up and went to seminary. And uh, he pastored for 20 years. Mm. So being a lawyer for 10 and a pastor for 20, he says he paid God back two to one for being a lawyer. (laughs) So he, um, anyway, we, after that, we left. And now we have a nonprofit that um, raises funds for our daughter's ministry in Uganda. And then we have children besides, um, we have 14 children. 14 children. So, you know, Linny, what I'm... um... What I'm thinking is, uh, you know, you, you, you've uh, your husband served in the uh, legal industry. He's served as a pastor, and uh, you know, you, you've done your time. You know, I mean, you've uh, you've raised your kids. So, so uh, what is it that you're doing now? Because I hear that you're out, you're reaching out and uh, adopting children uh, all around the world. That's true. We um, we currently have eight children still at home. Our six oldest have launched from the nest. And they um, are, most of them, five of the six are married. The sixth is in college right now. And we are expecting our 16th and 17th grandbaby. And so we still have eight at home, but our hearts are passionate for the orphan and for those in um, foster care and orphanages around the world, believing that God has called us to care for the orphans According to James one twenty seven, you know, we uh, kind of feel that God's word is clear that there is very few things that really matter to him. But one of them is caring for others. And it says his greatest command is to love him and to love our neighbor as ourself. And, uh, you know, to do to others as we would want them to do to us. And if I was sitting in an orphanage in another country, I would be really wanting a family to come and say, I pick you, you're mine. And so with that as a motivation and believing that God's heart is for the orphan, we have adopted 11 of our 14 children. And many of them now um, that we have adopted, actually starting with our first adoption 35 years ago, 
we adopted special needs, not knowing that he actually didn't have special needs, but we have children at home who are special needs. And we have three at the moment who are considered lifers. We get to keep them for the rest of our lives. So, uh, and you're still doing this now? Right. We have eight kids at home. I'm 62 and my husband turns 66 this month. Uh, you know, someone might be listening, i.e. me, and think, well, well you've done your time. You know, you've, wor- <laughs> you've worked in a legal you know, environment. You know, your husband's been a pastor. You know, you, you've done an amazing thing of adopting uh, children. So, you know, you, you've done your bit. Why not? Why not sit back, you know, read, read those books you've always wanted to read, you know, learn chess, I don't know, whatever it is you want to do, you know, why, what, what motivates you to continue adopting more children? I just, neither of us see anywhere in scripture where it talks about retirement, talks about time to just hang up your hat and say, I'm done. And the needs are so great all around us between foster care, between the orphan crisis, there's millions of orphans waiting I could not see myself ever finding any satisfaction in anything but serving um, the kids that I have and any other kids that God should bring across our path. So, uh, you know, what, what, what provides you with the, the energy to do these things? You know, I have two children, you know, and uh, they're wonderful, just in case they're listening. And uh, no, they, they are wonderful children and you know, it's a blessing to have them. Uh, but that's two, two children. And I'm exhausted. And so how, how on earth, you know, you, you, you said that you're, uh, you know, in your 60s and, um, you know, still, still plenty of uh, energy and life there. But, I mean, how is it that you keep going? You know, I mean, children, I know at churches and things, it's kind of like people say, well, we can be security. What, what do you want us to do? Well, security, we'll tithe, we'll do this. Well, can you look after the children in the nursery school? Whoa, no, 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 no. That's, that's, also, that's way, way, too, way too hard, you know. So you really have taken the bull by the horns. And as the Lord has said, you know, that pure, perfect religion is looking after widows and orphans. And children are a blessing, but they're also exhausting. And so what keeps you going? What is it that that mentally motivates you and physically keeps you going? Well, I think it's twofold. I think one of the things is that the church in America, for the most part, has bought the lie from the enemy that children are actually a nuisance and a bother. And the faster we can get them growing up or out of our hair, the better off we are. Instead of understanding that God's word actually says that the fruit of the womb is his reward. If you notice, um, it doesn't say whose womb. It just says the fruit of the womb is Mm. his reward. Mm. And it calls children a blessing. And when, sadly, in America, the church, I believe... Many have bought into the idea that children are part of the curse and that, uh, you know, you think about it, they pursue, we pursue things that are, we go into debt Mm. for things that we don't really have to have. And we pursue that where God's word says debt is a curse and children are a blessing, but yet we put children aside, not understanding that they actually are the greatest blessing he could ever give us besides the gift of himself. And so as far as strength to do it, Philippians 4.13 is my verse, um, one of them. And it says, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I believe that 
uh, until my deathbed, I will be caring for the kids that we have because God has gifted us. They are the greatest blessing. They're a blast. People who meet our family just love our kids. And so we honor and treasure them. They don't run our house. We have a house that is not kid run, but we, um, we have fun together. We have lots of fun. And I wish that everybody listening could come and hang out for a little bit because I think they'd say, wow, they actually do. It's like fun. Uh, and I, I think that that's part of the thing is that we have, um, we have the great blessing of seeing kids as a gift mm. and a reward. Mm-hmm. And God has brought us kids from all over the world, and we couldn't be more thankful for his goodness to us. Dwight and I, my husband's name is Dwight. Dwight and I think we have the greatest gig going on. <laughs> we just love our life. We absolutely love our life. We're tired at the end of the day. There's no doubt. We sleep well. <laughs> because, or we, let's say this, when we get the opportunity to sleep, we sleep soundly. And, uh, so anyway, so, we are we feel very 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 blessed. What what you've just said is so counter to what many experience or feel. You know that um, you know you you've got the the best gig. You know quote unquote the best gig. You know on the planet. You know looking after these children and they're not your children. You know they're they're not. Uh, you know the, the, when someone. Uh, you know, has has children, and it's their duty to look after them. You're looking after other people's children, and not only children from here, but children from around the world. And so, you're exhausted, you know, and uh, but you've got a big smile on your face. And uh, so, so why why do you why do you think you have the best gig? I mean, uh, you don't live you don't live in you live in a very nice house, but you don't live in a mansion. You know, you you don't have the latest car or the latest gizmos, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, but but what why have you got the greatest gig? Why are you happy? Well, can I just correct you? Yes. They really are my children. They came from someone, someone else, but they really are my children. I have to tell you a little mm-hmm. story. When uh, some of our older daughters were hanging out outside on their back veranda and we were sitting talking and they were sharing labor stories. And one of our daughters, our third oldest, was sitting next to me and her name is Autumn. And I turned to her and I said, Autumn, I can't remember how many hours I was in labor with you. Do you remember me telling you? She goes, Mom, I'm one of the adopted ones. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I forgot. I totally, 100% had forgot. For then you. another time I was making the bed, and uh, I was thinking about one of our sons, and I was just thanking the Lord. I pray all day long. I was thanking the Lord for just how this son had done something, and it was just really a blessing. And I said, thank you for him. Thank you so much. He's just such a gift. Mm-hmm. Where did we get him from again? I literally said that. And then yeah. I remembered, oh, I birthed him. I totally did not. Re- I mean, I have to stop and think where my kids came from because they're mine. Oh, they're man. all mine. Oh, and God man. has gifted us with them. So anyway, to uh, answer your question, why do we think we have the greatest gig? Because kids are a blessing. And I don't know. We've just been able to see them as, yes, of course it's work. Anything is work. Marriage is hard work. But we look at it from the vantage point that what would we want anybody to do to us if we were there? Mm. Our son, we adopted a boy. Uh, he's He and another little girl are our most recent adoptions. I came home from China. I was in China five years ago right now, bringing him home. He is a quadriplegic. Isn't We named him John. Uh, and he's a quadriplegic. 
you know, I think what people don't understand oftentimes is that in other countries, there are ministries working with kids, praying for them, and many are leading them to Christ. Mm. And they're praying for families for them. John happens to be one of those. He was in a, a house run by actually a ministry from Australia. And he was given the opportunity to receive Christ. And he received Christ when he was a, a young boy. And he was praying. Now, that did not mean everybody who worked there was a Christian. I don't mean that. But he was, um, there was a, a nanny. They call him an IE. The IE had led him to Christ and would pray with him. And they were praying for a family for him. And he was contending that not only would he have a family, but his dad would be a pastor. Oh. And so the IEs who weren't Christians had said to him, you're never going to have a family. You're too much work because he is a quadriplegic. He has spina bifida and right. uh, cerebral palsy. And so anyway, uh, he's in a wheelchair. And But God, you know, he's a hearing God. He listens. He hears the prayers of orphans crying out to him. And so anyway... It was amazing. Five years ago when I was in China, we, we you know, went through the process. It's a really cool story. The agency said we didn't make enough money. China wouldn't be happy. And we just kept contending that this boy that we had heard about and on the Internet, you know, there's those secret little groups in Facebook. And we knew that he was a Christian and he was praying specifically for a dad who was a pastor. And even though my husband isn't currently, quote, pastoring, he pastored for 20 years and he speaks from time to time in places. So anyway, uh, John, when I went to China and got him. The first question he asked me was, I can't use a regular toy, a squatty. I need a regular toilet. And I said, no, that's no problem. We don't have squatties in America. You're good. <laughs> um, he said, he did say though, uh, Oh, I was going to tell you the nannies there had said, you'll never be adopted. You're too much uh. work. Not all the nannies, but the ones who weren't Christians. So anyway, when he came to, when I met him, the first question was about the squatty. And the second question is, what does my dad do? And I said, your dad's a pastor. <laughs> and he, his face just lit up. God had heard his prayers. And, you know, when you think, if we don't, who will? We are Christians. God's called us. Our life is never to be about ourselves. It's just not. It's just not. It's not about me reading the right books or reading enough books or getting me time or getting another manicure or pedicure or whatever else kind of cure they give. It's about serving others. And someday I pray that when I stand before Christ, he says, well done. Because that's my heart's desire. God has done so much for me. That's a whole other story. But he rescued me from literally the pit of hell. And he has given me my life. And I want to serve him with everything in me as my gift to him for rescuing me and healing me and bringing me to the place where I am today. Wow. You know, uh, you're listening to the kingdom and its stories. My name is Julian Gibbon. Today we ha have Linny, and Linny has just been sharing about how she, well, put, put me, she put me straight. She has not uh, taken other people's children. She now has adopted children into, into her family. They are very much her children, and she is their mother. I guess in the same way that God has adopted us, brought us into his kingdom, and loved us and and cared for us. And so, so Linny, how many um, children uh, have you had? Uh, I'm talking biological and, uh, and adopted. And as you say, there's, there's no difference in your mind. So how many children have you, have you cared for? Well, we've done foster care. We've not adopted out of foster care, but we've done foster care. Uh, we have 
we have also, I birthed four that we ended up losing. Well, I was, I should say I was pregnant with them and lost them before birth. So we have a total of 18 children. We've cared for more than that. And um, so my dream as a little girl was to have 18 children. And so we're, we're at 14 and four at least live with Jesus. Maybe that's how my 18 will come, but maybe there'll be four more. God will be graciously bringing me one day. So don't tell my husband I said that. I, I won't. I won't. I, hope it I let happen. God tell him that. I let God give him give him the heads up, and then it's his idea, right? <laughs> well, don't let don't let him listen to the radio show then. Otherwise, but uh, uh, so how, <laughs> how how have your children uh, inspired you? So uh, you know, I mean, well, first of all, I'm going to come back to that one. So you know, are your children? You know, is your house chaos? Uh, you know, you've got that many children. Are they each other's throat, you know, arguing over the, uh, I don't know, Nintendo or whatever? You know, so, I mean, h- how does everyone get along? Well, you know, I think many of them remember their lives be pre-family. And so uh, one of our sons, Elijah, he remembers he used to, he was so hungry at the orphanage he was at that he used to chew on rocks. Oh. You know, that's that's the reality, folks. That's the reality. When we do nothing, there's kids chewing on rocks because they're hungry. And he didn't eat them, but it was it was satisfying to chew on the rocks. And um, so our house, though, is obviously it's busy, but I don't consider it chaotic. We had a woman coming one time and she was nervous. She said she told me later she was nervous because she heard we had so many children. And she's when she got to our house, it was kind of for an interview. And she said, I was wondering where she finally said, where, where are the kids? And I said, oh, they're playing. And she could not believe that the house was so quiet. They get along really, really well. They're each other's best friends. Sometimes they'll say, hey, we're all going to go sleep on the trampoline tonight. Now, not all of them can, but, you know, about five to six of them will climb up on the trampoline with sleeping bags and all. We can hear them laughing and talking. They are each other's best friends. They have a blast together. Well, you know, what's wrong with them? You know <laughs> what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like when you have that that many kids, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, or maybe it's just my household, you know. But um, so so, you know, can you bottle this? You know, I mean, it's like t- talk about liquid gold, you know, or whatever. I mean, it's you have all of these children, uh, you know, of course, not perfect. Of course, it's not complete harmony all the time. But but uh, the reason I'm going on this is because I've I've heard other reports you know, about you and your family and just how well you guys get on as a team. You know, you're working together uh, in order to look after the family. And uh, I had to I had to meet you, albeit digitally in person, uh, to see if this was true. Uh, and so what, what what is it that bonds you all, not perfectly, but bonds you all so well together? You know, you, you have children from different countries around the world, you know, and uh, different color skins. And uh, what is it that brings unity within your household? Well, I think it's the love of Christ, honestly. I think it's, um, you know, people say that the the tone of the home goes to mom. And I think that it's really important that moms have a thankful heart. And we play the thankful game if things get a little tense in the car or somebody's grumpy. And so we'll play the thankful game and just say, hey, give me five things you're thankful for. I don't usually pick the person who's being grumpy. I pick the other one first and then somebody starts. And I say, okay, we're going to go around the room. And literally that game alone changes the attitude. Mm. We haven't we haven't played the thankful game in a while, but it's <laughs> um, 
everyone primarily gets along well. I'm not saying it's perfect. It's not. Sure. But I think part of it is that they also sense that this family is a gift and we treasure our gifts. Mm. We truly treasure our gifts. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that, you know, when you have a big family, there's not a lot of, what are we going to do to make the kids happy today? No, we don't have a lot of stuff as far as the world would say. We don't think, what are we going to do this weekend that we're going to spend a hundred bucks for the kids to be happy today? We don't do that. We hang out together. We went to the RV show up at uh, the stadium the other day, just because it was free. We walked around, we had a blast. We were picking, we picked out the one we would buy if we could buy it. (laughs) And so, and you know what? My kids range, I have six teenagers right now. They, um, that satisfied all of them. They had a great time. We've talked about the RV show and that RV. If we had that RV, what we would do with it. It was like, it's simple things. And I think there's so many comp- people make life so complicated and so expensive mm. and it doesn't need to be. Well, you know, we haven't got time, but I, I would love to hear more about this, you know, just about this, this bottled gold that you have of so many teenagers in one family getting along. Uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, well, miraculous. So um, now how, how have your children inspired you? Um, ha- have your children followed on and have, have they uh, adopted themselves, uh, uh, other children? Or, you know, uh, what, t- t- tell me a few stories about, about your children and how well, they've gone our, on to serve. So the five oldest are married and we're expecting, like I said, number 16 is arriving soon and number 17 is coming in july and of those 17 six are adopted and i think that that is to me one of the greatest uh accomplishments or you know honor to the lord that our kids not only loved growing up in an adoptive family but they themselves have chosen adoption as well and that's in Oh, some of the kids do foster care some are going to adopt but haven't yet and they're still talk about it we're going to adopt uh so that to me is a, a confirmation that growing up in a large adoptive family was not a bad thing. It was a blessing. So you're, the children that you adopted are now adopting grown up and they're now adopting other children. Correct. Wonderful. Wonderful. And, and I, I'm, I'm looking uh, online. Uh, you know, we've got here about um, uh, one of your daughters moved just without money, <laughs> it just felt a calling by God to get up and move to, to Uganda and start an orphanage for children there with disabilities. Is this correct? Yep. She, she, she started praying when she was six and a half that God would pick her to go to, to Africa to take care of the orphans. And when she was eight, my husband was recording her for her birthday and I'd heard it every night. She prayed it literally every night. If we had company till 1130 at night, she still prayed the same prayer. God, please pick me to go take care of the orphans in Africa. And so when she was 13, she started peppering my husband with pictures of orphans saying, if I don't go, who will? Oh, at her eighth birthday, when he recorded her, she actually said, he said, what are you going to do someday? I knew what she was going to say, but she said, I'm moving to Uganda. She had never said that. We have it on recording. We prayed, we played that recording when we gathered friends and family to pray over her and send her. But she w- started peppering my husband's desk when she was 13, asking if he would take her to you or if she could go with a mission team. And he was like, uh-uh. so my, her and I started praying that God would provide a way for him to go to Africa so that she could go along. And wouldn't, you know, within weeks, someone at our church came to him and said, Hey, would you ever consider teaching a pastor's conference in Uganda? So anyway, uh, that was at 2008 and they went and 
from then till 2013, so for five years, either he or I took her for a total of 12 times. Uh, we led mission teams, we adopted, we, and she spent a lot of time in Africa. I don't remember how many weeks we figured out that she had been there. It was our best way to prepare her. But when she was 19, she was single and she moved permanently. And that was 2013, January 6, 2013. So she's been there eight years and she's only been home three times in the eight years. And she opened a home for special needs orphans. It's called the gem as in precious stones, G E M the gem foundation.com. And she is, uh, she eventually is married and she is expecting her fifth baby. They are one of the ones who've adopted. They've adopted special needs, but she has 48 special needs orphans in her care in Uganda. She has over 60 employees. That's why when people say like, Oh, I could never do what you do. No, here's a 19 year old who went and did what, what she knew God was calling her to do. Okay. Good. You know, I'm, I'm going to ask if she can come on the show. We, we've run out of time. And uh, but but Linnea, a great thank you for you for, for coming on the show. And to those listening, I mean, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm inspired. Uh, you know, so so God has called you. God has gifted you. So find out what God's call on your life is and let us go and serve and love our neighbor. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.